Hi everyone and welcome back to episode 12 of the Rubbish Talk podcast with myself Heather Beatty. Myself Alistair Meldrum. So for episode 12 we have Albion Environmental's very own Jane Bond. Um, we'll be taking the hot seat for our guest interview this week but before that as usual myself and Alistair have quite a few news topics to quickly fire through this week so Alistair do you want to kick off? Absolutely the hot news of the week is Mars bars are going to be supplied in the a paper wrapper. And it did make me sort of question whether it's going to be a hundred percent paper wrapper, which I very much doubt, I would think, to keep the the quality of the Mars bar to what we normally expect. I think that paper will have some sort of plastic content in it. And it does make you wonder whether plastic Mars bar wrapper properly disposed is that better for the environment than a paper with some plastic. Mars bar wrapper. So mm. I think I think the jury's out there. And I've, I've seen a few debates back and forward on LinkedIn of, of what what is what is right and what is wrong. So that could be your space. next viral LinkedIn post, Alistair. Now that that's that's what you're known for. I think somebody's beaten me to that one already. Actually, <laughs> yeah, we'll have there to see. Go. Yep, and and the next one we're looking at talking about is, is, is slightly different for us because it's to do with emissions but the the Glasgow low emission zone is due to start very soon it's going to start on, on, on the 1st of June uh, and that means if you've not got a modern car or truck or van then you can't you can't go into the centre of Glasgow without being subjected to fairly big fines and the, the logic behind all this is I'm not sure you know, but the, the number of people who die from air pollution in the UK is, is, is pretty significant every year. It's, they reckon it's between 28,000 and 36,000 people a year. So obviously it's a real public health issue. So but make sure vehicles are cleaner before they go into the city. But one of the issues it's causing is, I know it's causing an issue for waste collection vehicles. So a lot of the trucks are not Euro 6. So they are not actually allowed to go into, into the city. So there are some operators who have been trying for probably the best part of a year to buy new trucks, and they're actually struggling to get the trucks in time so they can actually continue collections in Glasgow. And I would think that issue would be reflected across other, you know, food deliveries, you know, other vehicles that need to go into the city. So I think it'll be interesting uh, when the ban comes in the 1st of, 1st of June. Yeah, I think it seems like, you know, quite a lot is happening just now between... Um, the Glasgow's low emission zone, I feel as though that's been came around really, really quickly. Um, between that and well, potentially DRS as well launching in the one year, we'll see. We've got a lot of upcoming news, I would say, um, to keep track of how all these projects are going. Um, but I think that's an interesting one. You know, it's really going to launch really soon, and we'll see some feedback from that. Um, but another topic. I thought we would discuss, which everyone who listens knows, it was a quite a regular feature on our news uh, item for the first few weeks. But we're, we're back on talking about vapes again because we just keep seeing more and more um, headlines about it. And there's been some really good calculations done by, um, it was actually a LinkedIn post that we've shared um, via Alexander Ryan. So he broke down some of the stats about disposable vapes um, and kind of the, the one that caught our eye the most was um, was the equivalent of about 6,200 Tesla Model 3s um, 
is the equivalent of using them once and then throwing them away um, in comparison to the amount of vapes, disposable vapes thrown away in the UK just last year. So, I mean, it just sounds absolutely ridiculous. Using an electric vehicle once and throwing it away is essentially what we've done um, across the UK in the last year with disposable vapes. So really, really interesting. Um, we can link as well on the episode notes and on the Rubbish Talk website to uh, Alexander's LinkedIn post as well. But um, it breaks it down in quite some detail, a couple of the stats um, to do with the batteries and the disposable vapes as well. And the other kind of headline stat, which I thought was really interesting, he also mentioned, um, so the number of disposable vapes last year, sold last year could have powered 474,000 homes for roughly two hours, um, which is just, especially in the times we're talking about the energy crisis, cost of living crisis, it just seems absolute madness. Well, it's incredible when you put it in that sort of number. So, so well done to, did you say it was Ryan? Ryan put that Alexander Ryan. Alexander Ryan. Uh, the other the other news about vapes is NHS England have, have woken up to the, the health, well, I think they're maybe awake to the issues, but they're, they're really highlighting on BBC News, the health impacts of, of vapes. And one of the mad things that I never realised was the manufacturers can actually give away free vapes to, to teenagers. But nicotine in them, that's perfectly legal. So the, the, the NHS England's quite highlight that as a, a major health concern. So hopefully the, the health concerns and the environmental concerns will merge for some proper action, on, particularly on disposal. Um. We'd, again, same as the vapes we mentioned, I think our first couple of episodes week after week, but um, we've had a bit of a hiatus. So we're back talking about DRS again. Um, and what is actually going on? Does anyone know? I think I think at the moment it's got a little bit bogged down in, in, in politics between UK government and Scotland government. And I'm not quite any, sure anybody actually knows what's going on. But the bit I do know Clarity Scotland, who will be the people that are actually be delivering the contract, have got some shiny, very shiny new bin lorries that are coming to park up around the country. And somebody very kindly sent me a photograph of one. And their slogan on the side of the bin lorry is is getting empties off Scotland Street. That's their, that's, mm. that's their slogan. So there you go. You've heard it here before. You'll see them out in the street because they're, <laughs> they're all hidden away at the moment. Uh, in, in various yards. Well, so that's uh, breaking news straight from the podcast, then. <laughs> absolutely, I'm not. I'll not. I'll not divulge my sources or, or the location of these vehicles yet. Uh, and then, I, I think finally, finally for news, uh, some positive news: Zero Waste Scotland uh, opened up a new fund, Colour Textiles Fund, and that's open to anybody that's looking at, uh, if you like, circular models for fashion, upholstery, uh, anything to do with the textile sector. Um, and that fund is open for, for businesses and organisations across Scotland at the moment. So if you're interested in that, again, we can put a link on, on, on the show, show notes. But again, if you if you just Google Zero Way Scotland Circular Textiles Fund, I'm, I'm sure you would find it. Yeah, yeah, we can we can pop the link in the notes as well. Um, I think just on, on a final note for anyone who uh, listened to a previous episode with George Nibloch, I mentioned um, a catchy little letter song um, which is kindly found for us. So um, I have had a scour across the internet to see if it 
lives on YouTube or anywhere. But I do have a snippet of it, which I'll, I'll post into the podcast, and has now been in my head for the last two days straight. So <laughs> turn off now if you don't want to be singing the Ayrshire Litter Pickers song for, <laughs> for the next few days. Um, but we thought we would mention as well, um, the song was performed by a guy, Alistair MacDonald, who is quite a well-known local folk singer, um, and he's kind of donated quite a lot of his time for similar projects to this and especially for local schools so he's got a good wee voice on the track and it's very catchy we'll, we'll pop a wee snippet in for anyone who wants to listen sounds good and i probably shouldn't have confessed to george that i've not actually listened to you so i'll need to i'll need to get around to listen <laughs> oh we are in shire's litter pickers and we all adopt a street where we clear up careless litter because we like our towns to look so clean and neat and so we hope our Well that's that's us for all the news items for this week. Uh, what we're going to do now is is, is go to our, our guests. Our guest is Jane Bond from Albion Environmental, and we'll get the, the formal introduction in a minute. Uh, but if any of you ever listened to the, the very first intro podcast we did, we did actually talk about Jane. Jane Jane was going to be involved in the in the hosting of the podcast. Uh, so for whatever reason, we never actually managed to involve Jane in it. But unfortunately, our my co-host Heather Beatty has decided to depart to f- f- warmer climates. Uh, <laughs> what, what we're going to do is we've managed to to rope Jane in to be my new co-host. Philip Feather shall manage how many episodes of that Heather without without. I don't think we've managed to fall out properly yet. No, this uh, is twelve. We've been we've been very good. I think we've had 12 and we've only had, I think we've had technical issues, but I don't think we've had any any sort of major issues in terms of uh, getting them put, put together. So before we go to, to Jane, I would like to say thank you very much to Heather for, you know, taking this mad idea and helping helping me and us turn it into into reality. Uh, so so th- th- thank you Heather. Oh you're welcome I mean I, I've been very um, grateful to be a part of the podcast and now that's us on, on record forever once we've put it out to the universe on the internet <laughs> it's always there so you can't get rid of me that easily um, but yeah we're really looking forward to passing over to Jane so officially Jane this is me handing over the baton as co-host um, so we'll use your first episode to pretty much talk all about you so our listeners can get to know you first well thanks heather i think you're going to be quite a a, quite a one to follow um yeah i'll try my best i'll try my best oh we have every faith every (laughs) faith don't worry (laughs) it's alistair's this is very precious to alistair so i don't think he would have asked someone who wasn't up to the job (laughs) right okay I'm, so, I'm no, no taking that battle. No, <laughs> no pressure, thanks. No pressure, you're ready for it. Okay, so for our, we're going to just introduce you slowly and we'll do our normal guest format. So we normally start and say, tell us who you currently work for and a bit of background about the company. However, we already know that. So Jane, instead, do you want to tell our listeners a bit about your role as Project and Business Development Director within Albion and what you do here? Yeah, I can, I can tell you all about that. 
Um, I suppose I've been with Albion like four years now. Um, so, and part of what I do is looking at different projects, managing projects. And what I like about it is just such a, a wide variety of different waste management projects from training um, to, you know, going and looking at a, a big tub full of batteries. You know, <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's very varied. Um, and my role is to try and make sure all the projects are running on time to budget and to the satisfaction of clients basically no you know say it's always straightforward as that but you know that's the idea anyway yeah just just uh, uh, that was just a few things that you didn't do there jane <laughs> just oversee everything go to site complete projects yeah deliver on budget so yeah you, you're oversee a lot of the really interesting projects as well and i think that uh, well a lot of the team at Albion, what everyone likes about it is we get stuck in and you get to go out and have those days out on site as well and see firsthand all the clients and the projects we work with yeah, I think that's important because you can't always tell people or ask people to do things that you won't do yourself. So it's, you know, it's going out and doing these waste composition analysis and raking through other people's bins, which, you know, <laughs> again, it's not ideal, but, you know, that's the job or part of the job as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. So tell, tell me, Jane, I, know, I obviously know you, uh, another guest that I know the background to, but to tell tell the listeners what, what, what brought you into the world of waste management. Did you did you fall in by accident or were you one of the the few? I was the very, I was probably one of the very few. And I think the only other person I've heard so far on this podcast is Stephen Glenn, who actually decided I wanted to go into waste management at the beginning. So I think I must be a bit strange, a bit weird. But I did, <clears throat> I did a degree in geology at Manchester University. And as part of my, my geology degree, I was really interested in um, environmental, in, environmental stuff, and particularly landfill. And I kind of thought that actually, from a geology point of view, geologists and geology was really important if you were looking at landfill from a containment point of view and groundwater point of view, gas point of view. So my dissertation in my third year at um, a university was the role of the geologist in the practice of landfilling waste. And I've still got that. <laughs> still got that. <laughs> so that wow. was my first, that was my first thing. So that was a straight out of uni. And then from there I joined a consultant for a year um, and it was just it was an engineering consultant um, Wardell Armstrong based in in Lee in North Manchester uh, I worked there for a year but I still wanted to work in waste and I wasn't kind of I was getting lots and lots of different experience I think the amount of stuff I learned in that first year was amazing um, and then there's a job came up with Shropshire County Council um, which was for a hydrogeologist and I was like yeah that'll be me so I went for the interview and got the job and then worked for Shropshire County Council Waste Disposal and Waste Regulation for about seven years uh, worked in environmental management groundwater gas went around monitoring gas looked at it, it was again it was a great experience because we had our own labs as well as part of the council so we were doing a lot of um stuff on clay liners sampling clay taking different um, permeabilities different compactions um, for clay lining and we were also 
um, looking at PFA as well, because where we work, one of the sites in Telford has got a lot of a lot of PFA from um, energy, uh, big <coughs> the cooling towers and stuff. Sorry, Jane. Remember, you need to explain what PFA is. Oh, right. Okay. A PFA is pulverized fuel ash. So it's basically from the power stations that were um, around Telford because of all the power stations and things like that around there. So, um, uh, so it's trying to use that to see whether or not it was any use as a lining material. But yeah, no, it was really interesting. And then. I worked there for a few years and then I went off and did an MSc in environmental pollution control in Manchester, again in Manchester. And I'd kind of said that I wanted to go traveling, but I also wanted to do a project. And at that point, this was 1990, 1991, there was lots of synthetic liners coming on board and most of them were being um produced and laid and stuff in the states and i'm like yeah i'm going to the states and i'm gonna go <laughs> and do this project and i'm gonna go around all these places and look at synthetic liners of landfills cqa and actually go down to texas and see them being made i thought you know how how sad is that when somebody's got a year out and they take six months holiday and like <laughs> go and um, look at landfill sites in america but anyway it's brilliant i absolutely loved it and I got time off my work to do it. Mm. And when I'd finished, I wrote a presentation and stuff like that. And they gave me my job back in the council. Um, and I could, did get some funding as well. So I worked there for a while. And again, I think working for the council and actually having access to landfill and just being able to see what happens, liners. And because we were starting to do synthetic liners also bentonite rich sand liners as well um and also gas utilization removing leachate and one of the things as well was we had a lot of the landfills were in coal measure strata so there was a lot of natural methane and carbon dioxide so it was trying to establish what was natural methane and what was methane from the landfill which was sometimes a, so it was trying to establish and identify that background levels how important background levels were before you started at the landfill um and yeah this this was probably in the period that 95 96 percent of uk waste went to landfill wasn't it oh yeah yeah everything went to landfill there was you know there's yes. nothing as fancy as um recycling oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of i i moved up to Scotland in 96 and I worked for just before then it was when the Environment Agency and SEPA were being created so I worked for the Environment Agency for a short period and then I moved up to um, Scotland and worked for with Babti Group then mm -hmm. big Scottish consultants based in Glasgow and <clears throat> did loads of work on again it was waste management landfill and as we got you know more and more it was to do with sustainability and different um methods of waste treatment so you know it started moving on to recycling to um you know energy from waste pyrolysis gasification all these fancy things um and then 
yeah and then there was a lot of this pfi stuff as well ppp sorry private public (laughs) public finance initiatives and ppp public oh i can't i can't remember what ppp stands for bastard public Public and private partnership, I think. Yes, yeah, something, something yeah. like that. So there's all these sort of um, partnerships being with the councils and um, the waste management contractors, and it was massive, massive, massive contracts. And um, was getting involved in some of those as well. And then Jacobs, who's a big American um, conglomerate, I suppose, took over Babti. And uh, things changed. The um, the work wasn't as exciting, wasn't as interesting. I was working on big, major, massive projects instead of quite a lot of the small, individual, um, interesting projects. And so I moved from there and I started to work for SEPA, Scottish Environment Protection Agency. I'm sure everybody knows that acronym, but <laughs> I'll give it that one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> never, never assume or not assuming. Right, okay, so then I went to work for SIPA, um, which, you know, I worked there, I think I worked there for about six years, um, and I enjoyed it because, again, it was moving into more sustainability, moving into green jobs, green businesses, looking at how different businesses can improve their sustainability, reducing energy, reducing water, and it was it was the, the Vibes Awards which is a Scottish Environment Business Awards, which is um, what's good for, you know, what's good for the environment is good for business is the sort of strapline thing. So I really enjoyed that because I got to see lots of, lots of different smaller businesses who were like, a lot of them, well, it's a lot of big businesses as well, but a lot of small businesses that, that were developing their products or developing their processes to improve the environment, improve energy and and all that kind of thing. So it was it was really interesting. A lot of um, quite a lot of focus in the whiskey industry, um, and you know improving the the greening of the whiskey industry, which was really interesting. From like um, anaerobic digestion um, through to um, pa- packaging and reducing the packaging. So that was really interesting. But then after a while, I got a bit bored. It was kind of like it was like. You know, it was really interesting, but I just felt it was the same thing. I was doing the same thing, but just with different companies. So right. I went, right, I, can, I don't want to move back into a big consultancy. I was like, no, nah, it's not really for me, not again. So mm-hmm. and I was like, Alistair, we got a job. So, <laughs> so I moved into Albion and I really enjoy it because it's like lots of different projects, mm-hmm. you know, and you can start and finish them. It's not like you're stuck in the middle of a massive project that you never see the end of so yeah so yeah and there's lots of good people and I get to come drive down to the seaside Mm -hmm. to come to my work so yeah I'm enjoying it it's good I think you know your brief summary there you've covered so much and I think that fits really well with Albion and the variety of work that we offer and the variety of projects that you get involved in Jane because you've obviously saw you know, throughout your career, especially how much things have changed as well since you started out. So I think your kind of expertise that you bring to all the projects and to the wider team as well is kind of your whole story there summarised in, in a couple of minutes just shows how much <laughs> you've learned over the years that, that now is almost like completely like gold dust for the rest of the team who haven't, you know, been seen and been involved in such a variety of projects. 
it's a bit scary because I kind of look and I started I started doing my um waste management journey in 1989 it's like you look back and you think oh my goodness that is like 30 years when I'm doing my training and I go in and they say oh tell us about yourself it's like oh I must have started at um, the waste management industry when I was about 10 you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's like in my slide notes when I'm presenting a lecture and it's like I've been in the industry for 20 years and then I think about it and think "Mm, maybe it's a wee bit longer than that (laughs) yeah <laughs> you're just sticking with that number I think what's good is like having come into it's moving into Scotland it's like 96 it's so it's quite a quite it's quite a small industry but you know there's lots of people in there that I know and I've been working with for a long time and you can you know go to to for advice or or whatever so it's it's it is quite interesting I suppose what's interesting for me as well is when I first started there was in an office of about 400 there was two female technical staff two female technical staff and that was it whereas now you know that it's almost I don't know, I don't know whether it is 50-50, but you know, there's a lot more females who walk into meetings or um, presentations and things. And before you would walk in, there'd be a, a sea of grey suits, whereas now you walk in and there's lots of, you know, female women in there as well. So it's really, you know, it is nice seeing that yeah. that change uh, in the I industry. I the same probably out on site as well, Jane. You know, there's probably a lot more females now out on site working from, from when you first started. Yes and no. I mean, you know, I've never been on a CQA site for um, capping a landfill site or drilling boreholes that had a has a female crew. But you never know. I might just might not be seeing the right people. Yeah, yeah. It's still, I, 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 I feel that like the Institute of Waste Management and that these type of seminars are. I'm not saying they're fifty-fifty, but they're get they're certainly getting better. But I was up at a conference, uh, the APSE Association of Public Service Excellence, uh, last week, and I would say it was about eighty percent, or maybe even more than eighty percent, male dominated. Really? That's generally local authorities. uh, uh, The conference is pretty much for the refuse collection, the street cleansing, grounds maintenance, roads people. And it's still yeah. very, very much male dominated. And all, also the typical age was 50 and above. <laughs> so we've got a bit of a, a ticking a bit of time bomb. Uh, yeah. I was in, interested there, Jane, you mentioned Vibes Awards. It's not it's not something we've mentioned on the podcast before. They, they're still, I think the, the entrance for this year have just closed. Have they just closed? Or do they, they come they, to open yeah. Um, the the finalists have just been announced, actually. Right. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it was something on my email. Yeah, no, the finalists have just been announced. So there's quite a, a range of, again, quite a range of companies in there. And what's nice is you get from um, restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. that are taking in, trying to um, take in more local um uh, local food local ingredients trying to reduce their waste looking at plated waste because or plate you know because i mean you get so much waste just from plates you know people get their food and then they don't eat the bit of salad on the side or you know or there's just too much a lot of these buffets for instance great to go and slot the stuff on your plate but at the end 
there's still a load left. So, but I think there's so many more places now we're doing those take home boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it used to be like a bit cheeky to ask if you could, you know, take your food back. But now, yeah, doggy bag, yeah, yeah. But now it's <laughs> it's okay to ask. So, um, but yeah, because the the Vibes Awards, it's um kind of managed by CPA, but it's also with um social uh social Ent- uh, Scottish Enterprise, um Scottish Water, Highlands what was Highland Islands Prize. I know the enterprise agencies have changed now. Um Zero Waste Scotland and there was quite a lot of um obviously Scottish government too. So there's quite a lot of different organisations, public sector organisations that were trying to improve the environment for um businesses and trying to demonstrate that actually you can save money by reducing energy, by reducing your water by reducing your um, raw product and that kind of thing, or trying to recycle and recover your waste. So it's quite um, it's quite interesting. And then you know, so you go from the restaurants up to like the whiskey distillers, or um, I noticed there was um, the potato manufacturer, uh, ma- yeah, but potato people, Albert Bartlett, they're on the oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. they're they're there as well. So yeah, so it's quite interesting. Quite interesting. The finalists have just been announced. I'm sure we could share the link to it because I, I know that uh, Brewster's yeah. one of our clients. They're, they're one of the finalists and they produce, so they take soil and aggregate from the construction sector and, and make make uh, new aggregates to put back into and in, in site. So they're they're definitely one of the finalists. So no, we'll we'll share that we'll share that link. So, so in terms of obviously your most favourite role, Jane, is with Albion. But any, any other any other good experiences before you got here, or or with with Albion? Well, do you know when I first started with um, Babti, I think I'd been working there for like three or four weeks, and the guy, uh, my boss, um, who's you know he sadly died last year or a couple of years ago, he said to me, he said, "Do you fancy going to Hong Kong?" working in Hong Kong and I'm like uh yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so by that Christmas I was out in Hong Kong um oh, wow. and it was brilliant I was working kind of six weeks in Hong Kong and six weeks back in Scotland and we were working as it was it was it was a great job because we were actually working on behalf of the Hong Kong government doing sort of um quality assurance work on um the consultants who were doing the restoration of old landfill sites in Hong Kong. So there was about seven landfill sites, old landfill sites, and what they were doing was restoring them, putting in gas utilisation systems, capping systems, leachate management systems, because a lot of them were urban. And they just like, you went into this landfill site, right in the middle of a house, you know, really high rise housing. Um, and the consultants we were working with were Golders, Golder Associates. Um, so it was great. It was it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I was there over the handover as well. Um, and yeah, so that was a really amazing, brilliant experience, both being able to work abroad, but also being working with other consultants as well um, and getting that information and knowledge and hands on experience. It was, yeah, it was pretty pretty amazing and just yeah so that was that's obviously one of my favorites I like worked in Hong Kong but I do like I do like the training of you know being in Albion and get to do quite a lot of training now as well and what I like is going in to a group of say doing a lot of work with the NHS 
you go into a group of work with a, a load of porters, just porters who move waste, everything, and not really that bothered about being there, but sitting there and at the end of the end of the session them saying wow that was really interesting I didn't know that that was I really enjoyed that so you know it's kind of that because it gives you that satisfaction of giving people the information and them actually um you know taking it on board rather than sitting there and falling asleep so yeah good, good. I like I like the idea of Hong Kong I like the, the Hong Kong job I'd certainly be up for a job in Hong Kong if anybody <laughs> um, I think it's experience in Hong Kong first, Alistair. I think that's takes the, <laughs> <laughs> takes the boxes. That's mine. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It was. I also went over to um, Kuala Lumpur as well, where we bid for a job, and I went over there. And again, that was pretty amazing. Didn't we didn't get it unfortunately, but it was quite an amazing um, experience. Um, I went to Hong Kong a few years ago, back a few years, and I hadn't been back for, what, 20 years. And the difference was quite astounding, really. It was quite, yeah, definitely a difference. Who would have thought, Jane, that, oh, that's a good advert for our industry? Who would have thought the waste management industry could take you to America, Hong Kong? I know. <laughs> all over the world? Well, yeah, and I think, I think somebody else said before, you go on your holidays and you end up taking photos of bins. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I would never do such a thing. <laughs> yeah I went to Australia and I kind of did a bit there as well and um, I was like following this bin lorry thinking where's that going and I ended up in some sort of like it was kind of not quite a hole and it was all smouldering and burning away and I'm thinking right okay that's how they get rid of their rubbish here <laughs> oh there we go hmm, worse it for the crazy lady chasing the van <laughs> I know I know strange looks <laughs> It's quite sad, but anyway, never mind. I enjoy it. It's good. I like, uh, you know, it's kind of the business. It's it's uh, interesting, and there's mm-hmm. so many different aspects to it. Yeah, you know? I think that's what I've learned the most since being mm-hmm. involved. You just have no, from the outside, you have no idea how much goes on and how much it plays a role in everybody's like kind of day to day. So, um, yeah, I can totally get why you know you're hooked, and there's so there's so much variety. Um, so Jane, what we ask everyone, um, well, I suppose maybe slightly different because you've always known this is what you wanted to do. However, there sometimes there's a stark difference between what people do f- at work and what they do in their personal life. So do you think um, being involved in the waste management industry has changed your opinions and your habits outside of work? Um, do you practice anything um, and champion you know, your morals in everyday life with people you know, your friends, your family? Um yes although a lot of my friends are like oh for goodness sake <laughs> not again <laughs> not again um yeah I, I suppose I do um I'm with the kids as well making mm-hmm. sure that you've got your recycling everything's where it should be and you're recycling what you can and I you know even going to my son Lewis's flat when he was in Stirling at the University at Stirling, I went over to his flat and there he had all these little little containers for his glass, his cans, his plastic. And I'm like, well done, you were taught well. You proud know, moment. Absolutely proud mum moment. <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose I do. I, 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 it's, I think it's important and I don't, I'm, I'm rubbish at, oh, rubbish, but I'm rubbish at throwing away. I don't, I hate throwing things away. So, I, I, you know, so going down and taking stuff to the, charity shop and things like that is really important one 
I tell you, one of the things I see and it makes me quite mad is when you go to these on these waste composition analysis and you just see the amount of rubbish that people throw away that could be recovered, could be recycled. I mean, we were up in a waste composition analysis the other week and it was like textiles, um, you know, clothes, and they still had all their labels on. And it's like, why why can't you take it to a charity shop? Why throw it away? You know, and, and the amount of food that hasn't even been opened in packaging, like, you know, potatoes or crisps and cans of Coke. I mean, if those cans of Coke and crisps away, it's not like they go out of date. But, you know, it's it's that sort of thing that kind of just, I, I just find frustrating, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. So. And there's so many avenues that the alternatives before you get thrown in the bin you know mm-hmm. even what you're saying about food um obviously you're talking about taking clothes and things to charity shops or either upcycling them or donating them or even reselling them now if you like people can resell their clothes there's all the websites and things but there's actually a really good wee and i'm sure they're all over the place and it's worth for anyone taking a look there's a wee community kind of hub um where i live now and it's just a container next to a really popular walk along the canal and they've started now they just have a wee table outside with and it's all free for anyone in the community um and it's pretty much food that have either been donated or they have um had you know government mm. support or funding for they just leave it all out big sign that says free free of charge take what you need and it's the same thing it's like potatoes cans or bottles of juice water anything that probably people have either had too much of if there's been any community events and they've bought stuff in that wasn't taken or wasn't sold then they put it there and i think there's probably places like that all over especially scotland and surrounding areas and small villages and i think that's another good one just another option for people to think sometimes you're cleaning out the fridge or the house and you think God, I'm not going to use that, but what do I do with it? So it's just kind of reminding people there's always an option. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's just finding that option of where where to take it and thinking people, somebody must want it. Yeah, you know, Somebody absolutely. must must be able to make use of that. And I heard a load of duvets recently and I'm thinking, I can't, I can't just throw them out. So I took them to the um, Dogs Trust. Yeah, um, yeah, and they took them. So yeah, at least you feel like somebody's getting some benefit out of it. Absolutely. I don't know whether that answered your question, Heather, but I went on a rant, <laughs> <laughs> went on a rant there. No, absolutely. I think that's the number one. That's what you say. Is this industry does just pretty much changes the way you think about things, and that's what we want to do for everyone. Yeah, I think it does. I think you know my next door neighbour. She. Um, well, not my next time anyway, but you know, a few people. Somebody said to me once. They said, oh, "Why don't people put out their brown bins?" And I'm like, "Well, possibly because they don't put out their their food waste anymore. They just throw it in their residual waste because we're having to pay now for our um <clears throat> for our food waste because our food waste and garden waste is all in together. So mm-hmm. if you purely only put your food waste in your bins, they'll they'll take it for free but if you put in garden waste in as well it costs you I think it's like 50 50 quid a, a year oh is that okay well is that what they've done is that in was what council used south, south east, no east renfrewshire yeah how to how to how to not promote waste food recycling no 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 it is it's it you know because people aren't now putting out their bins because they're not using it for for garden waste um so they're just putting it in the residual waste Mm. but anyway 
I, I, I remember having a conversation with my, my mother who lives in, in Perthshire and they started charging for the brown bins. So she's got a big garden and she's got two brown bins and she was like up in arms because they were going to charge her 30 quid a year or something. And I'm like, and she was like, I could just take it to the household waste recycling site. I said, but you'll be traveling there about 50 times a month over the summer, the amount of stuff you produce. Yeah. yeah I said, just pay a 30 quid and get on with it. And 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 I think she did eventually just pay a 30 quid. But it's, 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 it's mad what people do if they think they're, they're, you know, I think especially people think they pay their council tax, therefore they deserve a service and therefore they'll, yeah. Almost like make life hard for themselves because the council's trying to raise more revenue or whatever. So there you go. Well, uh, anyway. yeah, no, it's, like, it's like a pound a week or something. I mean, it's not really a big deal, well, is it? And in, in the whole scheme of things, mm. my logic was the pound a week or whatever it was going to cost, or the two pound a week was was you know more than offset by what it would cost her to drive the household waste recycling site and all the effort to hump, get the car loaded and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. So there we go. Anyway, in terms of obviously a busy life, Jane. How do you how do you get away from uh, away from work and relax? Oh, I love my cycling. <laughs> so I love my cycling, and I started out from water swimming as well a few years ago. So I really like I really like doing that. The I did a coast to coast cycle route a few weeks ago from. Whitehaven and Cumbria over to Tyneside um, with a load of friends which was just I just loved it it was brilliant and the weather was fantastic and it was quite a long way and quite hilly but I just think you know for me that's just a real challenge and I really like I really like doing that I like getting out on my bike because it just means I can switch off and do stuff and then the open water swimming, I kind of got into it, sort of lockdown. A lot of people did, and, you yeah. know, perhaps a lot of women of a certain age <laughs> got into it at the same time. And, um, you know, and at one point I was out in the winter and swimming in the ice and all this sort of stuff. But this year, I, I didn't quite I didn't quite manage it this year. I was, I was a bit of a, a warm weather swimmer. So, but, yeah, it's good. That's what That's I like so- to do. That sounds far more sensible. And you've got, <laughs> if, I, if I'm right in thinking, you've got a, you've got an event coming up, haven't you? Yes. Well, yeah, there's a triathlon at Irving coming up on Sunday, but I'm um, I'm just doing. Well, we're doing it as a as a team. My friend's doing the whole thing. He's doing the triathlon, and I've got um, I've got a team. So I've got somebody who's really good at swimming and then I'm doing the cycling and I've got a lady who's good at running. So my friend Jane, she's good at running. So we're all, we're going to do it as a team. I did a, did a bit of a recce last weekend. So yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to it actually. I hope the weather's good. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. We uh, went into uh, Went swimming into the into the Bookies Pond or Shorten Wall, whatever you whatever they call it. It was eighteen degrees in the water. Wow. Why is it so warm? That's really warm. Because it's been sunny. Yeah. Well make the most of it. <laughs> yeah. It's quite deep that pond, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the 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 person who is measuring it 
I think the thermometer is on the surface, so I think it's probably a bit deeper as you go <laughs> as you go yeah, down. But surface yeah, surface temperature, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good. It was nice. There you go. There you go. And I, I, I hesitate before I ask the ne the next question is really what's what's next for you in your career, but I maybe shouldn't ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm, I enjoy what I do. I like the variety of jobs. Um, I'd like to retire, but you know, I need to keep going. I've got at least another ten years. <laughs> Well, you've just taken on a new, new job, James, oh, yeah, podcast host, so you're never going anywhere. I know, I heard that, <laughs> heard that said it was being a promotion. I'm just wondering about the remuneration. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of these promotions that just involves you doing no, more, more work for less money. That's the, <laughs> the story of my, my life, Dad. <laughs> Good job, I like what I do, eh? Absolutely, Absolutely. yep. So, Jane... We, I'm hoping you've you've got something in mind now. So we ask everybody, um, one fact that you would want to share, um, either from your job or from the sector that you think people may not know. Have you got one in mind? Well, you know, I've been looking at this question that you gave me, and I've been thinking and thinking and thinking, <laughs> and there's so many facts. Um, and I I think, I suppose a lot of the facts I've got are. You know, if you, what was this, 63 million um, people in the UK thrown away, and there's like 1.13 tonnes per person being thrown away per year. And I suppose I'm thinking about, well, if the people throw it away, if we can reduce the amount of even one bottle, plastic bottle a year per person, you know, I mean, that is just, well, 63 million plastic bottles. Yeah. So, you know, it's not really a fact or anything really exciting, but I suppose it's just reminding people that every little counts. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's what we said at the start of the recording when we talked about um, the statistics to do with the vapes. Sometimes that, that's what it takes, especially for people who aren't in the industry. It's these really kind of headline catching, eye-watering figures that normally do it for people. And I think a lot of the challenge we've talked about with our guests as well is trying to convince people that, yeah, even just small changes do make a difference. And that's I think that's a perfect summary of it, because think of the amount of people in the UK as your example said, make one small change and the grand scale of things, it's a huge difference. So I think that's perfect. Mm. Thank you. I think it's a good question. Next question we always ha ask is any habits or changes you'd like to tell the public about that would help <sighs> manage waste or improve recycling or, or help the overall environment? I suppose mine is don't buy what you don't need, and that's easy to that's easy to say because everybody does it, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I suppose it's just seeing all those textiles and clothes without tags on, and the food that's still in in packets and stuff, it, and toys toys still in boxes as well from these composition houses. And I suppose it's like that. It's it's don't buy what you don't need, or if you do buy it try and recover it or recycle it or you know do something with it with throwing it in the bin being the last resort oh, that sounds so. good sounds good so you've rhymed off 
quite a few acronyms already, but your favourite your favourite industry acronym and why? My um, favourite industry, well, it's kind of just at the you know it it changes depending on what's happening in the world, but at the moment it's bat. <laughs> it's not about bat as in the little thing that squeaks and flies around <laughs> the air, you know. It's best available techniques. Uh, and it's what, I, I suppose it's what every industry operation should should be doing. So what's what's available and what, what can be done um, when you're looking at going for a, a waste management licence or a, um, a PPC permit, they're asking you to consider what are the best available techniques and how would you use them. And then there's also the breath, which is about reference documents, which are great big documents depending on what industry you're in and what um, operations are, are being undertaken. And you can look at those and it tells you about odour, it tells you about water, it tells you all sorts of things. So I guess that is my, I don't say it was my favourite jargon, but <laughs> probably the one that everybody's talking about at the moment. Yep, good, good one. Oh, I, I was, I was lecturing last week, and I was talking about bat, bat assessments and breaths and all sorts. So it's very, very fresh in my mind as well, and probably fresh in quite a lot of people's minds. Uh, so your, your, your chance to have a, a magic wand to sort out the mad world of waste that we live in. Any, any ideas what you'd like to use it for? I I said I suppose it's using it obviously to reduce the waste but but it's 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 looking at the manufacturers of waste in the first place to make them make it easier for people to recover and recycle things so you know it's it's it's, it's making things less complicated and able to use things and replace them or replace a battery or recover this or reuse this or put another cover on it or something like that rather than having to throw things away or buy new ones so I suppose that's what I would I would want because you can't you know people need things we all need things we all want things as well but yeah yeah, I saw saw an absolute perfect example of that Jane and how not to do it the other day so uh, somebody posted up on LinkedIn so that the, the BT had managed to disconnect the, the broadband service and the only way they could get back onto the service was to get a new router sent to them and set up the new router and that allowed them back in the broadband and then they were yeah. to send their old router which was there was absolutely nothing wrong with apart from the disconnected it back for recycling and he quite rightly went back to BT and said why can I not just use my old router? And BT was well, our system does not support that. So yeah. there was nothing. There was nothing technically wrong with the router. It was just the fact that their system for doing things didn't allow them to reconnect that router, which is just madden. You know, from an environmental and sustainability point of view, it's just madness. And and their answer to him was, "Oh, but we'll recycle your old router." Mm-hmm. And you and I know the reality of that is, you know, how much that is actually really been recycled is probably very little uh, if it is reused is a much better option so you know, yeah 
it's it's just nuts isn't it it's like all the phones you know all the old versions of the phones and you know you have to buy a new one because they don't support the apps or they don't support the upgrades or whatever so you know they're no good anymore so you've got to buy a new one it's just daft just nuts there you go well i'm sure we can add you to the list of magic one users to try and change the world (laughs) yeah we've got quite a few good suggestions in there so um, yeah I'm sure we'd have found good use for it. Um, so finally, Jane, you're probably one of the most qualified to hopefully answer this final question. Um, do you have any advice for anyone wanting to follow either a similar career path to your own or just to find their way and find what they're passionate about in the industry? Um, either how to get started, where to look, opportunities to seek? Um, I would say speak to people. I mean, it, it is such an industry where it is who you know as well as what you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my the way I've kind of moved jobs and stuff, part of, well, even my first job was, you know, by knowing somebody who knew somebody who could put in a good word and then you get an interview. If you, if you, you know, if you're rubbish at the interview or whatever, then fair enough. But getting that step in, to anywhere is is really gives you that step up really so if you know anybody talk to people and I think who was it the other day was saying um was it Pamela was saying about um leave and seat and how if people talk to them they would give them a bit of work yeah. experience and that sort of thing so I think it's that it's work experience it's saying right okay I can do this or I can help you with that or I can try this and it is it's about talking to people knowing people finding out asking the daft laddie questions I suppose as well how do you do that what do you do yeah can I can I do that and the thing is the industry is so wide I mean you, you you've got from you, know, you look at the backgrounds we've got Heather I mean I my MS my degree is in geology and then in engineering um and then yours is kind of marketing and yeah. that's sort of you know that side of it so it's quite a a big wide um range from from those two and in between you've got process engineers you've got environmentalists you've got people who can actually write reports which is quite important as well mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and all these different different things so whatever you've got whatever qualifications you've got we can can fit somewhere in the waste industry and it's not that bad an industry either yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think you've sold it quite well, to be honest. It's got lots of nice people in there, you know, lots of good people to chat to. And you can, you know, if you're lucky, you get to go to Hong Kong, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or Shetland. I mean, I got to go to Shetland as well. And that was a a good experience. Beautiful part of the world, absolutely. It was. It was amazing. I think you're right, everyone we've had on. I think Pamela was definitely one at Leaving Seat. I think Jim Brown as well at Burning Group. Nearly everyone has said, you know, as everyone does say, the industry, everyone knows each other. If they don't, they know somebody that knows someone to introduce you. And nearly, you know, probably 99% of places that you asked if they would give you, if they've got an operational site, they would let, let you take go around on a tour. They'd let you see what they do. They're quite happy to let the public in and see the good things that they're doing. So I think that that's good advice. Mm, yeah speak to people that's yeah. my advice yeah. so, uh, 
Well, thank thank you very much, Jane. That was that was a great introduction, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to episode. What will be episode? Thir- is it, it's not going to be episode thirteen when myself and Jane host, is it? Hello, yeah, my favourite number. Sorted. <laughs> You might, yeah. you might you might be getting a wee phone call to your 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 new international location, Heather. Help! Yeah, that's right. Heather, can you be the interviewee, the next interviewee? <laughs> well, I'm always a phone call away. I certainly won't be a stranger. So yeah, thanks a lot, Jane, for giving us your time, and thank you for offering to to replace me and, and come on alongside Alistair for our, our podcasts going forward. I think it'll be, be great. And I'm looking forward to listening to the first one where I don't hate the sound of my own voice on it. So that'll be fun. Well, any any advice or any any suggestions gratefully received? Constructive oh, criticism, gratefully received. <laughs> my moral is I don't listen to myself. That's how I find that's how I deal with it. <laughs> Well, there's always that. Unfortunately, I was the, the, the one that had to record it and then edit it and listen back to my own voice. So I had no choice, unfortunately. I mean, it, it's been it's been good. I've really enjoyed the the interaction between yourself, Heather, and, and, and yourself, Alistair. So, um, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. I've got big shoes to fill. I'm not saying you've got big feet, Heather, but you know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for yeah. your time. No, thank yeah. you. And just, just finally for myself, Heather, again, once again, thank you for, for getting thrown a mad idea just before Christmas and 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 and, and making it work and, and good luck in your 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 new, new I was gonna say your new career, but I think I think you'll be back in waste management before you know it. So I might have cursed your future career there. <laughs> but Hopefully not, but I'm certainly not abandoning certainly not abandoning the industry but um yeah i'll find a way to get involved and i'll uh, as we often like to have as a a bit of a blog on the rubbish talk website of people's international travels and how they um observe waste being managed as we've discussed in this episode so you never know i might be the next blog feature on the website when i tell you what they do in abu dhabi okay brilliant thanks heather thanks jane